0: I'm your host, Lauren Stone, and tonight we are joined by Dr. Michelle Chen. Michelle graduated from the University of Queensland in 2019. She currently works as a general dentist in private practice in Ipswich, Queensland. She loves being a general dentist as she enjoys the variety it provides. Michelle has a special interest in oral surgery and aesthetic dentistry, and hopes to further her skills in those areas through CPD, mentorship, and from senior dentists. Although she's a very recent graduate, Michelle has stepped up to help coordinate the graduate mentor program at her workplace. She is always up for a friendly chat and hopes to be able to help the graduates transition smoothly into the workplace and hopes to give them the positive experience that she's had going from university to private practice. Dr. Michelle Chan, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Lawrence. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> That's all good. So, you have a growing interest in oral surgery and aesthetic dentistry. Tell us how your CPD, your dental journey into it all started.
1: Um, So, I'm very fortunate in that my first job after graduation um, already had a graduate mentoring program. So, it gave me exposure to and allowed me to attend numerous courses that were beneficial to developing my skills as a graduate um, those courses included for example like a CEREC CPD which opened my eyes to the world of CAD CAM technology something that we learned about at uni but had limited access to um, there was also um, numerous communication courses like the one by Dr Marcus Saad and one of the other dentists in our Um, practice also did one of his own ones his name is Dr Elwin and that was really good as well Um, I am fortunate enough to work uh, with Dr Sahil Soni so he uh, offered us some of his courses like the anterior composite the posterior composite his wax up courses um, his photography course and his rubber dam workshop as well and I think after doing that that really gave me a good insight into things and gave me like a good set of like foundational skills um having him within our practice um it was really good because whenever you'd have any cases that involved like composites or aesthetic stuff we'd be able to bring our photos or x-rays to him and we'd be able to get really good advice and just having that like support there gave me more confidence to be able to um tackle It on myself and um, having his support there. um, Also, uh, seeing his work, um, it was a great inspiration to me, and that kind of got me into um, taking a more aesthetic course, aesthetic cases gradually. Um, In terms of like oral surgery, um, when I started, I was lucky enough to be working three out of my four days with this dentist who does a lot of wisdom teeth and at the time of graduation wisdom teeth was something that I was really wanting to get into uh, so I used to block uh, to like you yeah, I used to stalk her books and I used to block myself off and assist her and watch her and like learn like that and then gradually over time I've been able to pick up some um, cases of my own and she's been able to help guide me through it so that's kind of where my interest started in that area there. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about it. So was there particular reasons why you were picking SARIC or, um, communication courses or, you know, side hills, um, courses, um, was that particularly because of the way the practice had structured the program or was that something that you, uh, wanted, um, to get into more specifically?
1: Um, no. So it was, already like a a program that our boss had put into place for the graduates you may know my boss dr nob neil he's he's big online um and yeah he's been hiring graduates for a numerous number of years and i think over the years just gotten to know i guess which courses would be good for graduates to do at the very start of their career to give them good foundations so it was all part of like a program so yeah i'm very fortunate to have been a part of it basically yeah
0: (laughs) right and then the the oral surgery side of things was mainly um through the mentoring um as well
1: yeah yeah oral surgery was just i guess by pure luck but also because i had the interest there to start with i would be a bit more nosy and try and (laughs) um assist um when I whenever I can.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's important because like I think, you know, one, you gotta put out your interest to mm. the people so they know that you're interested for one. Mm-hmm. And then two yeah. is you gotta follow that up. Um you gotta yeah. follow that up by actually showing that, you know, you're gonna you're attending. You know, when you say you're sneak it in there, it's it's kind of okay. <laughs> you're not you're not trying to hide anything. Um no. <laughs> you're open about it and people know that you have an interest. So that's what you gotta do, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. I feel like if you don't put yourself out there then no one would know.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you, you went through this course, uh, this program, um, mm-hmm. how'd you find it? Was it what, you know, it was, um, as you expected, did you get uh, as much out of it as you would have liked?
1: Yeah. So I think I got a lot more out of it than I would have liked. And speaking of which, um, after going through it last year, which is my first year out yep. Um, this year I've been lucky enough to help coordinate the graduate program for this new batch of grads. and I guess by doing so, I've been able to attend all these courses all over again for the second time because I have to be there. And I definitely found out the second time around, I picked up things that I didn't pick up the first time and it helped to like reinforce things I was um, unclear about or things that I've missed out on. And I felt like my learning curve has um, really Im- even gotten higher like this year compared to last year. So it's been really good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Mm, I think I think that's an interesting point. You know, not a lot of graduates talk about. And we actually had a previous guest on, um, Dr. Grace Cooper, who actually mentioned they she's attending an aesthetic anterior composite course again mm. for the second time. And you've just mentioned it there. You know, you're attending it for a second time. You feel like you've got a lot more out of it. Do you think that's mm. because of? um as as i've uh, put it out before is that to get the most out of something you have to have some prior knowledge of it um Mm, that whether it be having learned something a little bit beforehand but also maybe having applied it in practice and then relearning it it kind of consolidates all that information do you feel that's kind of the case
1: i think consolidate is probably a very very good um word for how to sum this up basically um second time around it definitely consolidated any misunderstandings or things that i wasn't um very familiar with the first time around and yeah and it's like sometimes you get that like aha uh-huh moment where you're just like oh like how did i not know this beforehand and then once you see it you just can't unsee it and then i feel like that's where you like really step up and you really improve yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. So, you know, you talked about this graduate program that you went through it the first time and now you're helping out um, with it this time. Is there any particular changes that you felt that you wanted to change about it that you wanted to implement in this program this time around?
1: Not particularly. I felt like it was pretty comprehensive in like covering the foundations for everything um, and we I'll also put it to have- you like this yeah. it's
0: kind of like some people want to know if there's a particular way to structure how they should attend their CPD you know you oh, mentioned okay. you know you did ceric first you did communication mm-hmm. after and then you did the anteriors and then after mm-hmm. that you know onto the oral surgery side of things was there any particular changes to how you approached or you wanted to change the program this time around
1: so I think this time around is actually really, really similar to last time. I remember last time we did our CEREC, um course at the very start when we first started working. And then soon after that, we did our communication course. And during the communication course, um, they were explaining how best to sell crowns as like a treatment option to our patients and so something that they need. And then I think because they were so close to each other i had like the knowledge fresh in my head so then off i go i try to like apply this knowledge that i've um, gained at this communication course and i try to like um get my patients to take on crowns as treatment options and then we were able to like link it in in that way and i thought that really was really helpful um especially because i really didn't do any crowns during uni i think i did like one maybe and a half <laughs> supervisor did the other half of the second one <laughs> so it was just something that i was really nervous about but i think by improving my communication and getting more crown to do over time i was able to improve and um, get quicker and get more efficient in that area there so i think the combination was really good um yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah. And then you moved on to the anterior side of things, you know, you've done hmm. you've through that a few times again. Some people say, you know, bread and butter dentistry, that's pretty basic. You know, why do I have to t- attend that twice? But you've attended that twice now. So what do you think?
1: The anterior composite course, I remember the first time I attended, I was um, the, the week before I had tried to do like a filling on a front tooth myself. It was just like a broken chipped front tooth and I did it and I just, wasn't happy with it and I struggled a lot with it. And then I remember going to this course and Dr. Steinle made it look so easy. And I was just like, how is he doing this? It's so effortless. And then after doing his course, I felt like really eager and motivated to try and do like a set of anterior composite veneers myself. So yeah, I used my new found communication skills to convince this patient that yeah, we'll try some like anterior fillings um, because it was within her budget, I guess. Um, And then I did it. But I remember when I was doing it the whole time I was thinking, how does he do this day in, day out? This is so tiring. Like things aren't symmetrical. Like it just doesn't look natural. Like it was a big struggle. And after doing that the first time, I was like, I never want to do it again (laughs) because it was really stressful. And I found that when things aren't like symmetrical, it stresses me out because I can't figure it out. But then. Um, So I didn't, I left it for a little while and then I did this course again and this second time around I was practicing how to use like the clear to and the simple instruments like the sickle probe and just polishing just to create like natural anatomy and I really, I don't know why, but the second time around I found it so much easier. And I don't know if it's like some residual knowledge over the months of working that I've picked up on subconsciously that have added to it. But yeah, as you said, it really like brings everything together and consolidated um, my knowledge the second time around. And then sure enough, by chance, a week later, um, I do, um, I had, I got the chance to do some composites on a patient like this. I think it was like a three to three and I was really, really happy with it. And it was just so much more smooth sailing the second time around. Yeah.
0: So, so you think you might've been a bit of that pressure that you put on yourself or it's that you knew what you're, or you kind of felt like you knew what you were doing. Cause I feel like a lot of dentists are all about that millimeter, that millimeter difference, <laughs> that symmetry, you know, and sometimes we're just being a bit too hard on ourselves and it's Mm. a matter of, yeah, okay, you didn't quite get it, but, you know, just give yourself a bit of a break and then recoup back and then practice it again. Um, and that really is with a new fresh eyes and then looking at working on that you might be able to improve. So you've mentioned, um, you know, you've just recently done those really sets of, um, composites. You've actually been doing these, uh, gradual progression through full mouth rehab cases um, you know wax ups as well talk to us about you know did you do anything um, to get into that because not a lot of people go back to do wax ups themselves not a lot of people do that to prepare them for the porcelain um, veneers or crowns but you do
1: um so i've really done it for a couple of like a handful of cases um mostly because we, the Dr. Sahil's Wax Up course was one of the courses offered to us in the mentoring program. So um, after doing that, well, basically after, whenever I do a CPD, I I have all this like, fresh knowledge <laughs> that I really want to try and put into practice before I forget it. So then I get really excited and then I'm like trying to pick up cases linked to what I learned so that I can implement it in practice. So. Um, yeah, after doing Dr. Sahil's wax up course, I did find myself some cases that, and I would, you know, take the impressions and then I would take it to him. And then I'd be like, this is what I want to do. What do you think? And then he'd be like, yeah, let's do a wax up. So then he lets me borrow his wax up machine. Um, and then we'd work on a wax up together. Um, I do try my best to do wax ups, but then not that good. <laughs> and then uh, most of the time, Dr. Sahil has to, um, you know, refine it for me a little bit, or maybe a lot. Um, but <laughs> I think through him, I've really learned a lot in terms of that aspect of things and the treatment planning side of things. I don't. You mean like how you thing. look at
0: it and how you yeah. kind of like um, might, When you say treatment planning, you mean like how the steps wise? It might not be an overnight thing. Um, it might be like, oh, we need to break this up into parts. Uh, maybe do once um the lowers first or mm. maybe do um anteriors and then work towards the posteriors you mean like that
1: yeah like like that like just general like start to finish type of thing um and also like the, the small details kind of thing on the um wax ups itself um he would point out things that sometimes i'd be happy with a wax up, and then i show him and be like mm. Leave it on the bench, and then yeah, he gives it back to me, it looks completely different. I'm like, Oh, okay, I tried, yeah. Um,
0: but yeah. I think I, I, I like the fact that you talk about how after you um learned it, you immediately want to go back and yeah. you know practice it, you know, because you didn't want to lose that um knowledge and that. Um, and let it fade away because that yeah. happens a lot of the times, isn't it? Because you probably talk to your peers and they talk about how they attend the CPD and they're just waiting for that case to kind of come along and then like the right by case. the time they mm. wait, it's like six months later and you're like completely forgotten. It's not mm-hmm. as fresh.
1: Yeah. Um, I think I've just – I've been very lucky but also um, – I think you just have to be perceptive and aware to see where the opportunity is as well like sometimes it could be a little bit hidden but then you know if you talk to a patient enough then you kind of find that they can't kind of, it's something that they kind of want to do but just no one's ever offered it to them um and then what's the harm in asking like that's the worst you get is no basically
0: <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah so let's switch to your oral surgery side of things. You know, you've mentioned that, um, you know, the first few cases in the past, you only do maybe single ones. You, you were nervous about those first few mm-hmm. ones. And now you do like all four wisdom teeth in, in the one session. That's kind of like, you know, a good kind of p- progression. Talk to us about that journey.
1: Yeah, so last year when I first started, um, I used to sing a dentist's books and block myself off and assist them. Um, and then after assisting maybe like five to 10 um I built up the confidence to do like single ones myself upper wisdom teeth were fine um honestly except for the unerupted ones which I was always off until this year when i did my first one and then i was like oh that's not too bad um but yeah lower ones definitely um especially the impacted ones were more of like a mental challenge and um obviously they're a lot harder as well so yeah i would basically uh have like a criteria for um i guess how difficult uh, an extraction would be um after talking to my senior mentors um we basically go for patient. Under 25, preferably under 30, conical root. And because they're young, their brain would be soft as well. And I would, I think my first surgical one was actually basically fully erupted one where I could just practice the flap and the gutter um, and get comfortable with that and then gradually I've picked up cases with you know more and more impaction like mesioangular angular impaction dysto angular impaction but I try to stick within like the younger age group because uh, <laughs> you never know when the bone can be so dense and you're just like oh no it's just stuck right sometimes um even if a section is bad or uh if know your gutter isn't as much as it should be um if the patient is young their bone is so soft and forgiving then the tooth will still come out regardless kind of thing um and yeah i would start with single side um and then i think gradually as i've just built up my confidence uh, i've been able to get patients to do all four although i don't do them as much as i would like to but it's something that i hope that i can do more in the future because it is something that I really enjoy. Even the ones that I struggle with and I come out with like sweat on my back, but then it still leaves me wanting to do more. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So
0: of all those CPDs, has there been one that's or a few that's been the biggest clinical impact on your dentistry today?
1: Oh gosh. I don't think I can pick one because they're so interlinked, but from the top of my head, um, the ones with the greatest media impact would definitely be the communication one. Uh, because obviously we weren't i don't think we would really taught a lot of communication in university because one everything is free um <laughs> i think mainly because everything was free and patients were just taking what they were given um and then the serek one was also very very helpful and now i do a lot of serek crowds the photography course actually really taught me that you know a picture can speak a thousand words um and obviously the anterior composite course one as well be able to deliver you know anterior fillings that I'm happy with is really really important and because anterior fillings are so like vital to someone's smile it's like one of those things where if, if the patient sees it they're like wow and then that's kind of um when they like start coming back to you as well, or they like tell their friends and family about you, so that makes a big difference as well.
0: Yeah, I think I think you make a, a, a interesting point there. You know, um, you know, when we we're at uni, we probably got taught a little bit about communication, but we probably weren't at that point where we were kind of interested in it or soaking it up as much mm. as we could. Because I've talked about it in the previous episode about a, a a professor that I used to have back at uni as well, and she was teaching these things, but. At that time, we probably just weren't taking it up. And now now we're taking it up and we see it more applicable now. Have there been any CPDs that you feel that you didn't implement or was not as beneficial for you at the time? And, you know, would you do it differently next time?
1: Yeah, so I recently attended like a Clear Aligners CPD because it's something that I want to get into. um, But I found it not as beneficial because I'm being, being a complete newbie to Clear Aligners um i realized when i was there that everyone else had already done some cases before um so i felt like the case the course itself was catered more towards dentists who had some experience in the field already um and that they could like you know relate to things that uh the person who was taking the course was uh, talking about and they had their own cases that they could um you know take the knowledge and apply to um although i did try my best to absorb and digest the things that were discussed in retrospect probably would have gained a lot more if you know i was more familiar with the computer software that, that they use and had some of my own cases that i could apply the knowledge directly to um instead of just like having it in theory and just writing down a bunch of notes from it so yeah it might be something that i might go back and attend once i do start pick up a course like i did for all my other things the second time round um
0: seems to work a gem yeah <laughs> yeah okay that's interesting i know that in the past your boyfriend's attended some of your courses
1: oh so he actually works he actually works with us so he comes and joins um like the graduate mentoring like program as well when we have the courses on so yeah He works in our group as well. So very lucky to be able to work together.
0: What's it like when it's being put on you, when you're the patient in the chair and, you know, you're being rubber dammed up with all the flosses and everything.
1: (laughs) So my boyfriend is actually very, very gentle. And I try to be gentle, but I think I'm not as gentle. So I think he's the one (laughs) suffering (laughs) when we have to, like, swap. Usually I'm fine. I'm just sitting there like, yeah, cool. And then I'd be like trying to rub a damn on him. And then I think um, this was back last year when Dr. Sahil taught us about like floss ligature. And I was doing it on his, uh, it was like an incisor or something. Uh, It was a lateral incisor. And he was just like, ow. And then I was like, oh, I didn't realize how much it would hurt. He's like, yeah, I'm not numb. (laughs) But no, um, he's a lot more gentle than I am. So um, I think, yeah, I'm the lucky one here.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> um, so you've mentioned Sahil; it's been a great mentor for you. Have there been anyone else who's been a big uh, mentor, idol, or inspiration in your career, and why?
1: Oh gosh. Um, honestly, so many dentists inspired me in like their own ways. And besides Dr. Sahil being like the obvious one, um, there is another dentist whose presence has made like a significant impact on my life um she doesn't actually know this because i've never said it to her face <laughs> um, but her name is dr starini and she was the one that i was talking to you about um who's really really good at wisdom teeth so i was lucky enough to work with her three out of four days a week when i started um and i remember during my first week last year i saw a five-year-old boy who just would not cooperate in the chair. He was screaming and crying. And I didn't know what to do because during uni, I had barely seen any kids. And whenever a kid would cry, the supervisor would just come and take over. So like you kind of never really got to manage in that kind of situation. Um, I just felt like really helpless. So I asked Therini for help and she comes in and she starts talking to this boy. And I remember I was literally in awe at the way she spoke. She was so gentle and calming, but still like playful at the same time and sure enough the boy comes down comes down and like cooperates and then from that day I made it my goal to be able to communicate with kids like she does um and aside from kids she's obviously a gun at wisdom teeth and she's she is kind enough to talk me through her surgical approaches before a procedure, like if I'm going to assist her. And she also stops during mid, stops mid procedure to like explain things to me and show me things, which is like really lovely of her because it's so out of her way. Um, then when I started to pick up some of my own cases, um, she would help me you know, do a surgical plan for them and talk me through it. And she'd always go out of her way to be on standby for me in case, I got stuck or i needed help so yeah i'm really really appreciative of her and i think i i literally told one of my colleagues that i can't believe someone like her exists and that she's my inspiration so uh, one day i'd like to reach her level both in terms of you know her hand skills and like, patient communication as well yeah
0: Awesome. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's that's kind of lead, a good lead up to uh, what I'm going to ask you next, which is, you know, have there been any struggles in your CPD or dental journey so far, you know, that our viewers might not know about?
1: So there's definitely been struggles. Um, social media is the highlight reel. And although I don't share a lot of cases, the ones that I do choose to share are obviously ones that I'm pretty happy with and confident enough to share in a public space although I would like to be, I'm not brave enough to share my failures with the public yet. Um, Over the last year, there have been times where I have overestimated my abilities, maybe gotten a bit too confident after like successes or misjudged an x-ray or underestimated just how difficult or sometimes even just how time consuming a procedure would be um and in effect it would not only stress myself out but also my assistant and the auxiliary staff um i think as someone with like a growth mindset who's trying to like make the most of every day there is a very fine line imbalancing trying to push myself every day but also making sure there's enough time to get things done properly without stressing myself or other people out i think i'm still trying to figure it out myself but i think i'm getting better at it um there's been times where i you know started taking out a wisdom tooth and i think it would be okay and then i start running late and then i'm like oh maybe i'm almost there and then it gets too late i'm like no i can't do it so then i have to like close it up and refer it, but I think that's where like patient communication comes in. Like as long as they're one beforehand that you know it's a hard procedure or and that you know, there is a possibility that they might need to be referred. They're usually really understanding as well. Um yeah, if I was to think of a, s- a specific example, something that pops into my head would be at the start of a year, I saw a patient who had a broken tooth um, it was a heavily restored lower, lower molar, a big amount of filling, the cusp had broken off, um, and when she presented, she wasn't in pain, it was just broken and cracked. And I took a photo and I explained to her that we need to put a crown on this tooth if we want to strengthen it and try and preserve it long term. And she sees the photo and she's like, yeah, let's do that. And so we go ahead and I remove that big metal filling and then I see along the base of the tooth, there's this fine crack line um, underneath what the filling was. So I took another photo and I sit her up and I'm like, "Um, you can see on the photo, there's this crack running running along the base of the tooth. Um, We'll go ahead and crown it, but I don't know how deep this crack runs. Um, I don't have x-ray vision. Um, You're not in pain right now. So if you... Are uh, happy to go ahead. We will go ahead and crown it, and hopefully, the crown will hold the whole tooth together and prevent it from cracking any further. And you'll be able to keep this tooth. And she's like, Yeah, 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 let's do it. So, we go ahead and we finish the crown, and she goes off, and I don't hear from her. And then, like a couple months down the line, I'm at home <laughs> on my day off, and then I receive a message from my colleague who saw her for a toothache. And then he's like, Yeah, you did this crown on her. And she has a vertical root fracture and what, do, what what would you like me to do? And then I'm like going into panic mode. I'm like, oh, just book her back in with me tomorrow and I'll speak to her. And that night I, was, I could like barely sleep. I was stressing. I was like, she's going to be mad at me. Or she's going to be angry at me for, you know, committing her to spend this money trying try to save this tooth. And Now she's probably going to lose this tooth. Um, and i go into work the next day and i think she was my first patient of the day which is good um uh, and then to my surprise she comes in and she's like she's like oh you are right that crack on the bottom it um it's as you predicted it was bigger than it seemed she's like uh, and yeah this tooth needs to come out but she was like really really appreciative of the fact that i tried to save the tooth and gave the tooth a chance but yeah i didn't charge her for the extraction but we took it out and now she's getting an implant there but i think um at that moment it really highlighted highlighted to me like the importance of communication and even the importance of photography like if she hadn't seen that photo of the crack on the base of that tooth she probably wouldn't have you know had that image in her mind and be able to accept this as easily as well
0: (laughs) yeah i think look i think you you just pointed it out you know when i was listening to you talk about it that's so important when i look back at my years as well Mm -hmm. that communication if you can communicate everything as much as you can um all the things that you kind of foresee um if you lay it out to them Um, It's actually better for you because if you don't mention it and you kind of hide it and you want to show that, you know, actually um, in the mindset, you're thinking this could happen. But if you don't say it and they don't know, then then when it actually happens, Mm. then you're stuck in a rut. It's. All about that preventing, uh, mm-hmm. rather than trying to cure the issue. Mm. Um, and you know, if you communicate it, then they're obviously on a better mindset as well. And mm. the other point about that photo, I think 100% with agree with you. Sometimes, you know, a lot of what we used to do was built on trust um, back in the day because you couldn't take photos to kind of show mm-hmm. it. But now, in the modern age, you can take these photos. And like everyone says, picture says a thousand words. And mm-hmm. once you kind of show it to them and they understand it, you know, you're on the same page and if they don't understand it, well, at least you kind of know that you're not on the same page and you feel comfortable to maybe not proceed or whatnot, depending on that situation. So mm-hmm. I think those are some pretty good points that you've pointed out that I think everyone that goes through their first few years, definitely experiences. Yeah.
1: Um, and as you said, um, you know, if you make, if something bad happens or something doesn't go to plan and then you try and tell them afterwards, then it just seems like an excuse rather than if you tell them beforehand, then they're like, oh my God, you're a genius. You like predicted it kind of thing, it's, as you said, like, but thank you for trying. So um, it's always good to tell them beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> mm.
0: So, uh, you know, f- during this period of time, there's lots of graduates right now that mm-hmm. are very nervous. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. when it comes to the lead up to the interview, I've heard that, you know, you've actually been a little bit nervous in the past in your lead up into your interview, you know, (laughs) you're worried about fitting into the workplace, you know, your lack of experience, your, you know, your competency level, you know, getting stuck. How do you kind of debate all these kind of things? Talk to us about, you know, what now that you're gone through that stage, what graduates might need to think about um, in the lead up to it?
1: I think I still, I still remember how nervous I was before my interview um, to get the job that I'm in right now. Um, I think um, during uni, I wasn't particularly outspoken or or anything like that. I felt like I was just like average middle of the pack kind of person, so I think I had my own doubts in, um, you know, whether or not I'd be employable, I guess, Um, but yeah, after getting the job offer and accepting the job i've like never looked back i prior to starting work i the whole week i was really really nervous even on the drive to work i was nervous about whether or not i'd fit in whether or not people would like me um as you know most people do when they start a new job or go to a new place you are nervous because you want you want everyone wants to be liked and everyone wants to be accepted um so but yeah literally within a week, not even a week, maybe a couple of days of working. Uh, I felt very comfortable in the environment that I was working in. I felt that I was being um, supported and people respected, or well, they understood that I was a graduate. So they would give me more time to do things. I wouldn't have any pressures. Um, and senior dentists and staff were so happy to help me whenever I asked questions or needed help. Um, so yeah, if for any graduates, looking for jobs, I would definitely um, try to look for a place that does um, understand the needs of a graduate, you know, offer that mentorship. Um, If they know anyone who has worked there, maybe ask them for their experiences. I guess um, testimonies always help. Like if someone else has had a good experience there, then, you know, you, you know that you have, you know, one foot in the right place, I guess. Um, I guess, don't focus on money, definitely focus on getting good mentorship and being in a place that would support you and give you a good foundation to begin with.
0: Mm. So you graduated in a year where there was COVID, there was lockdowns, you know? (laughs) So how do you feel that might've, that affected you? And, you know, what would you say to recent graduates now, you know, in, in terms of their learning, their growth?
1: So I graduated in 2019, And then I started work at the start of 2020, and COVID came, and then it was like lockdown for like two months. Um, So during that time, I guess we were stuck at home, but um, and obviously being new, um, we didn't, we weren't really needed at work because we didn't have a patient base, and we were only seeing like emergencies anyway. Um, We just tried to make the most of that time at home. Obviously now when everything's online there's so many courses you can do so many ways that you can try and improve on yourself so um um you just try and make the most of what the time that you have in place that you have i guess so if you can't be at work or if you can't get the hands-on experience definitely you know listen even listening to podcasts i remember back then i started listening to every episode of the dental head start podcast which started and now there's so many podcasts but back then i think that was one of the only ones so listen to every episode of that um and then there was like uh CPDs available on ada um, and other things like that um and my boyfriend had some textbooks that we've we're going through as well so i guess you just try to do what you can in given situation that you can and then it's all cumulative so if you had that knowledge in your brain and one day you're in the clinic and you need to access it i guess it's just there for you um yeah i think I, I was still lucky though because i didn't graduate in the year that was heavily affected by covid which is last year so i guess can't really relate in terms of that aspect but um still affected a little bit yeah
0: mm, yeah well i mean like look you know we were all being affected by covid at, at a particular point um mm. but for, you know for you when you're so so early in it and you know for a lot of people they were slowly booking up all those um CPDs that they were going to pick and then it obviously affected a lot mm-hmm. of people you know graduates now are probably coming out and they're like oh it's gonna affect me again you know how do i kind of champion through it but like you've just said you would attend online courses and you know, the ada's um cpd portal online has been a great um access for you and at times textbooks even is where you've looked to kind of um still feel like you're growing and still learning um even when there might not be physical a uh, hands-on course mm. that you can attend at the time yeah yeah so what does your current ideal clinical day look like and the type of procedures you might be getting up to
1: my current day um well my current day consists of a good mix of different procedures um i guess just ranging from checkups and cleans emergencies fillings crowns pediatric dentistry some wisdom teeth and a little bit of endo here and there um honestly speaking i'm not sure what my ideal day would be because i really enjoy like the variety i have going on right now i'm the type of person that gets bored with repetition so having a a mix of procedures it keeps me on my feet and it keeps my brain engaged so i'm pretty happy with um what i'm doing right now but moving forward into the future i think i would like there to be more oral surgery and um uh, more like aesthetic work to come into it as well.
0: <laughs> mm. And what kind of courses do you want to kind of take on to kind of get to to that point?
1: Um. So in terms of like the oral surgery side of things, um, I do find that very interesting. So I'm thinking maybe I will take on, um, start doing some like implant CPDs as well. We have a dentist who works with us who places a lot of implants and he's, nice enough to um, let us restore the ones that we refer to him so I've been able to do like a couple implant restorations under his watch which were stressful but also um, fun Uh, but yeah in the future maybe looking at getting into implants as well Um, but definitely getting more confident with like wisdom teeth first before I get into implants yeah
0: Mm. so outside of dentistry you run an online food blog you know called <laughs> at run to food and you started that um as a hobby during university years and has gradually turned into a more of a little side hustle what yeah, do you think is- for a lot of the plethora of graduates now who are coming out with you know these social media accounts and you know how should they think about it um
1: how should they think about it um, well i think of mine once as still being a hobby it's like a good balance and a good creative outlet essentially um, to what I do for work it's so drastically different like it's like engages a completely different side of my brain which is great um because you know if I'm burnt out from work or tired from dentistry I don't have to go home and do more dentistry I come home and I'm like what should I bake (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um but I know a lot of um graduates like making like social media accounts for like their dental work, I suppose, which is great and putting themselves out there, which is awesome. But I guess my advice would be try not to take it too seriously. I think when you make something into like work or like a job, then sometimes you enjoy it a lot less. But because I had I had this going as like a hobby the whole time while I was studying, it was something that I would like look forward to doing kind of thing. I look forward to going home baking and, you know, when I started sharing some of my recipes with my followers, I received so much like positive feedback and it was like a loop and it like got me addicted kind of thing. And I would like, you know, try and like, you know, in effect, share more with them. And then over time, that cycle has just helped my account grow. And then I guess one day, um, people just wanted to pay me for what I do, which is great because, you know, if you spend so much time and effort into uh, to do something, um, it always feels good to be you know, reimbursed for your efforts.
0: Mm. I think yeah. what you're an interesting point you just made is the fact that you, know, you shouldn't just create an account just because you, um, you know, want to catch on to this wave. It's more yeah. about you know, you're doing it because you actually have a passion for mm-hmm. it because otherwise it's not really going go to go the long mile. Like you said, you're just going to treat it like work and it's just going to yeah. drain you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you've actually done an interesting research on factors that influence a person's search for a dental clinic. Was that right? I mean, something about social media. Um, Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so it was our, like, final year research project um, as part of our, like, honours degree. And um, I think we picked that one because oh i don't remember why we picked it but it was basically i think it started when um i was saying how the dental clinic go to has a tv on the roof but the ones in um uni don't have a tv on the roof but they have a massage chair function <laughs> and then i was say and then they have patients who come in they would be like oh the chair's moving this is great kind of thing and then i think that's kind of what started it um but we basically went onto the streets. or well, we brainstormed a whole heap of like factors that would potentially uh affect someone's choice of a dental clinic. And we went onto the streets and then we had to ask people if they had two minutes to fill in this survey for a poor uni student. Um obviously we got rejected a lot uh, and <laughs> <then> we learned <laughs> that we never wanted to do that again, but we didn't have a choice at the time. Um and I think the summary of results was that yeah, TV doesn't really matter. massive share doesn't really matter, to be honest. It's more so um, convenience for m- most people um, and like positive reviews, like, you know, um, referrals from like friends and family and people in someone's immediate circle. So those are the two main factors um, that affected
0: someone's choice of a dental clinic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, your point was like that social media um, is really limited for more of the younger viewers, and word yeah. of mouth is really word what's going to drive. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And you were talking yeah. about was it convenience of yeah the attend um, the attendance and maybe a booking appointments and maybe yeah. the cost. Those kind of factors to play more of an important factor than you know what might be a social media platform social- um, yeah. account.
1: Like social media can get like some people in the door, but then, like, ultimately, you know, if it's so hard to find parking and you're so far away, most people would be like, no, I'll just find somewhere closer by Yeah. Mm. <laughs>
0: yeah. So we've got a few guest questions for you. And I'm going to okay. pronounce some of these um, guests yes. um, <laughs> wrong, but I'm going to give it a go. So okay. we've got um, D Learn wanted to ask you what is your oh. general mindset when you take on difficult procedures or cases?
1: Um, so you lose my partner, my boyfriend, <laughs> of course he'd ask me this. <laughs> um, so I guess I've always tried to approach challenges in life with like a growth mindset um, because I understand that challenges help me grow and the end will always justify the means. Um, slightly unrelated tangent, but during school I used to be a runner um, on the cross country and athletics teams and I remember one of my coaches told me if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. And that's something I've tried to like hold on to through years, to, like to help me through years of like tough training sessions, um, because you know, if I only do things within my comfort zone, then nothing will change and I won't improve. So I guess going back to dentistry, um, this would also apply with taking on like new procedures or gradually more complex cases. Um, I'm not afraid of a challenge, but I guess in dentistry I would, pick my challenges more carefully and try to have the atti- or go in with the attitude of the I won't know if I don't try. Um, I'm really lucky to work with so many kind and helpful senior dentists who can talk through cases and procedures with me mm-hmm. so that I can actually determine for myself whether it is something that I can ch- uh, attempt or take on for growth purposes or something that I really should just refer to them uh, or refer away to a specialist. Um, you know, if I do refer to them, then I can block myself off and go and observe them and see how they tackle it. And then learn in that way um, by observing and gradually pick up on things that they do and I make note of it so that you know, next time, if I do it, I try to do aspects of things that I see that they do, which work. Um, I guess, making mistakes is something that no one really likes to do and but i've learned that failure is still an opportunity to grow like i can only do my best and if something doesn't go to plan then it like will be a lesson for the future i will, if something doesn't go to plan i will do some self-reflection and you know speak to senior dentists regarding what i could have done differently and uh, to achieve a better result the next time i do it and bear it in mind and then hopefully not make the same mistake again um, but as I said before, communication is literally, well, communication bef- between the dentist and the patient is like the most important thing. And I feel like as long as they are aware of the possible risks and complications, then if something doesn't go to plan, then most patients are really understanding. <laughs> mm.
0: Uh, I think Liz yeah wanted to ask, what aspect of dentistry have you grown the most since graduation? Why and how?
1: I would actually say um, with some teeth, like oral surgery, um, I, at the start, when I first started, I had to ask for help a lot if, you know, I got into a difficult extraction and I just didn't know what to do. Like I didn't know where to remove the bone or I didn't know the right way to like section it. Um, and I had to ask senior dentist to come and step in and help, you know, bail bail me out of a procedure. But then over time, I've become a lot more, like, confident in my, like, extraction abilities. Um, and sometimes, uh, you know, if a tooth is taking, a, like, a long time to take out, instead of just giving up and um, going to... Take, taking the easy way out I suppose and grabbing like when I'm senior dentists, I would like back myself more and be like no like I've done this before like it's just gonna some teeth just take time and then I would just try and be more patient and give myself that extra time to take it out instead of like panicking I think I just over time I've felt more confidence in my own skills to know that you know I'll get there kind of thing instead of just like giving up so I think you know in terms of like extractions and that sort of thing that's probably where i've grown the most uh, yeah
0: <laughs> yeah miss angela wants to know how has training new graduates developed your own skills
1: she always asks me hard questions <laughs> <laughs> i guess as i said before um by going to the cpds that they need to attend and cord helping to coordinate them um sitting in there and you know listening to things the second time around um actually to my surprise has really really helped me consolidate a lot of my own skills in that way um i actually don't work with a a lot of the grads like we just don't have like the same working days i think i work like one or two days with them but like they're like half days here and there kind of thing so i don't see them that much but sometimes when they do like cases and stuff they would come and show me which gets me really excited because it reminds me of was back when I started, and um, I don't know. It just it consolidates how far I've come personally as well. Um, even though I still have like a lot of learning to do myself, yeah. Mm.
0: <laughs> mm. A few people have also asked, "How do you balance your work and your personal life?"
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, as in with um, my food blog and work? <laughs> um, I I think because they're so different um it really really helps and it's like i don't get like a burnout per se because it's just so completely different um they are similar in the way that they're both very hands-on like if i have to create a recipe and take photos i have to like plate it myself it's very artistic but that's also like the side of dentistry i enjoy as well in terms of like the composites and stuff um so we can draw parallels in that terms but everything else about it is so different um I've, it's quite easy to balance i guess being a dentist because i only work four days a week so i get like three days off where i can do that stuff um and then sometimes like in between a patient if they're running late or if i have a gap um then it's quite easy for me to just hop on my phone and you know reply to some comments here and there or i can like finish editing a photo (laughs) um during lunch or something like that just turn off my brain a bit Uh, i guess it's because i enjoy doing food blogging so much Um, it's like my like release Um, so i think that helps me in that way yeah
0: <laughs> yeah i guess dentistry is not all about yeah i mean life sh- isn't shouldn't be all about just dentistry you just gotta get a branch mm-hmm. out and find some of those hobbies so dr yeah. michelle chen thank you for coming on the show today if you could let the people know how they can find you or what's kind of going on in your life
1: well actually i just bought a house um so next month will be moving month um and i'm still staying in the same area in southeast queensland so you can find me over here um <laughs> and so if anyone's around you can message me and if you want to hang out i'm always keen to hang out so yeah thanks for having me
0: (laughs) house (laughs) parties hey at your place (laughs) (laughs) if you like this episode drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next episode of cp junkie podcast